Have you thought much about specialising yet? I have thought about it, but I've not been 100% sure on what it actually means to do it. I mean, we've touched briefly on front-end and back-end and their kind of specialisations, but that's not really what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is picking a particular discipline, like a topic that you are an expert in. I mean, have you got to the point where you feel like there's any any areas that you do feel an expert in yet? Maybe back-end web, dev- like Flask or... I feel pretty confident in Python. Is that a specialism? No, I think we're going we're going sort of a level beyond that. In a way, I'm a JavaScript specialist, but there are certain things within that that I count myself as an expert in, and I market myself like, in my CV. And when I do conference talks and things, there are certain topics that I yeah. they are my specialties. Um, in that case, probably not yet because. I don't feel like I've got enough knowledge to be able to decide what to specialise on. Is there anything that you look at and you go, oh, I really want to be doing that kind of work? Because I, I mean, in case of point, I did that. One of my things is data visualisation, so using D3 to make fancy graphs and things. And that's just something I saw from a distance and was like, I, I really like that side of graphic design. I really like that side of coding. I want to be someone who does those things as, a, as part of their living. I quite enjoy um, like dealing with databases and moving things around and mutating data. I don't know. I don't know if that's a specialism. <laughs> well, data science certainly would, would be a way to specialise. I'm not interested in data science. So the sites I've built, they have kind of database. Like you, I don't know, just normal website backends. Yeah, the kind of the crud, crud kind of things. Yeah. yeah, log in, log out, register. I quite enjoy that sort of stuff. When I started doing tutorials and things on that, I kind of I, I went off on that <laughs> and spent a long time doing it. Oh, I suppose there's an element there that you could specialise in. I mean, maybe build your own framework for that kind of thing. I know it's a, something that everyone does, but that's an that's an end point. Is you create something and maintain a piece of open source software that other people use as a platform. So you're you're thinking big picture, platform level kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I would say so. So our question for this week is, at what point should you specialise? I, I feel like maybe being a back-end developer, that feels like a specialism to me. There's a real case of like the, the longer you do something and the more experienced you get at it, you have more of a sense of the nuances of it, I guess, because previously you probably would have looked at like computer people as just one big block. <laughs> and then suddenly, oh, there are programmers and, dev- and web developers. And, and then maybe you start to see the difference between people who work on sort of embedded like Java, Java systems or C++ stuff. And then there's a more kind of web app web side. And then when you get into that, there's front end and there's back end. And then you get into that and then there's kind of DevOps and there's the, the kind of the front of the front end and the back of the back end and and then you beyond that you get to the different like that's the kind of the disciplines and the the skill set and then beyond that you have topics like you know data visualization or working with audio or mm. doing certain kinds of work like oh weather 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 apps for instance knowing how to to deal with weather apis and like embed that into applications the feeling there then is that the more you are finding out about different things then the more you're able to be able to say i can actually specialize in something yeah i don't like it <laughs> i don't like the sound of having to do that i like um to, i'd like to be more broad <laughs> in knowing obviously not loads of stuff but at least knowing a wide variety of i don't want to go too specific on mm-hmm. a particular thing it scares me a little bit specialism well that's, i suppose you're leaving yourself vulnerable to the chance that the thing that you specialize in could disappear you could have uh 10 years ago been really proficient as a flash developer mm. And then suddenly, within the space of the iPhone existing, yeah, basically, the flash disappears as a thing. 
I also feel that as I've not had a job yet, I don't feel, I definitely don't feel in a position where I can even think about being a specialist in something when I've not even done like the, the grunt work, the just the standard, even had a job and know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I think that's, I think that's a very sensible point of view. I think the reason for asking the question now and for making you think about it particularly is it's very easy to just say, oh, well, you, you go along and you learn and then you fall in, you become experts in things uh, as you go along and you get more experience and you suddenly become an expert and then you organically flow into being a specialist at something. Because that's generally speaking, there's more of a market for specialists than there is for generalists. So if we're hiring someone, we want to hire someone with a specific set of skills to solve a specific problem. We're not in mm. the kind of open-ended, like, oh, we just want someone smart. We do want someone smart, but we want someone smart who can work with this thing that we wanted to work with now. My yeah, my worry would be that if I said I'm a specialist in this, then when I'm trying to get my first job, then I probably won't have as many choices <laughs> as if I'm four years down the line and have a bit more experience. It's the same in my teaching. I mean, my first job, I was kind of just happy to get it. Whereas if I was looking for another job, then I'd be open to more choices. <laughs> so I feel I feel like if I was to say I'm a specialist in this, it might limit my confidence in applying to lots of different jobs. Yeah, that's completely valid and that's and very sensible. But what I would say, and this is so what I'm building up to slowly is something that I've learned is that after a couple of years, you do kind of naturally start to specialize. But what I found and what I've had trouble with is that I organically fell into being an expert in something I really wasn't interested in and really didn't like doing. <laughs> and I had to work hard to then get out of that pattern and that career trajectory. Can I take a guess at what that was? Yeah, come on. Yes. I'm going to say WordPress themes or something like that. No, no, I don't. I never mind. I never minded the WordPress stuff. Okay, it's okay. I think it's a good thing, and it's a good way to make a living. It was. It was making PHP. No, it was ho <laughs> holiday letting, booking systems. Oh, and um, because I, yeah, you reach a point where you've done. If you've done ten of them, suddenly you're like, oh well, you go to client into like prospective pitches essentially with new clients and you you know the answers to all their questions and you can be impressive and you know the industry lingo and you know the problems that they're having and that's part of being a specialist and that and being a specialist feels good to a certain extent you're like oh yeah i am the master of my domain these people are coming to me for specific knowledge you could charge more for it because you're a pro you feel better because you're doing good work and you're actually like pushing the boundaries of your discipline and you're you could feel like at the forefront of an industry, if you're if you're really specialised, and that feels good in it, in a way. But I got to I got to that point and was oh, I don't actually care about <laughs> the industry that I'm in now. I don't I'm not getting that satisfaction. So it's it's really surprising that holiday lettings is a specialism on its own. I th that seems way too specific, and I would have thought maybe like a framework like just knowing a lot about React would be more of a specialism. Yeah, there is an element to that. I mean, certainly my last round of trying to choose a new job it was very much technology driven um so it wasn't so much about the sort of the clients industry it was about we need someone to work with this particular platform and tech, to a certain extent languages and frameworks and having experience with certain kinds of apis etc that is very technical knowledge that can be useful as a specialism but what broader to that is there's an element to which it applies mostly to agency environments where you have you're you're reliant on like you work with a client for six months and then you move on to the next one. So this more applies to contractors and to agency developers, less so than it does to people working in-house on a product. It's, a, it's kind of an old adage that you, the, the work you get is the work that you show. So if you've, you're putting together a portfolio, the kinds of things in your portfolio are the kinds of things that will be 
like drawn towards you. Um, but there's a deeper level to that as well, which is that people who are hiring people are very, very <laughs> conservative, I guess, in, like with a lower, lower, lowercase c, about what they what they want. So they want someone who can do the exact thing that they want. Yeah, they want. They don't want to. They don't want to have wasted their time interviewing people when they can see. Oh, this person actually has worked with the system we're working with mm-hmm. currently. And then when it comes to some, a company choosing another company to work with, like a kind of business to business. B2B scenario, they want to take the safe bet. If they've got two companies and one of them is full of really smart PhD um, graduates who are at the cutting edge of their field, they know their technology really, really well. They want to push the boundaries. They want to, they're the, the smartest minds that are around and they're in one company. And then the next company that comes along has built maybe 10 websites and they have all been websites for a, a garage, for instance, a car garage. And the client is someone with a car garage. <laughs> they're not going to pick the bright minds who are sort of the leading lights in their industry and the thought leaders, they're going to pick the people who have made 10 garage websites before because they want a garage website and they want to know that it's not going to break. That means when I'm applying to my jobs, I need to make sure that I am focusing in exactly on what each job wants. So I've got to go off and make 12 websites for every single job advert that I see. You say that slightly flippantly, but then I think that's what the best people do. I think there is, if, you're, if there's a job that you really want, a dream job with a dream company, you do target that. You go as deep as you can spare the time to go. And that's hard when you're holding down another job, and particularly if it's not your first web dev job and you don't have a year to find the job. You've, you're like, oh, I fence, yeah, I'm looking for a new job now. I'm targeting those people. The time investment is hard to come by, but it's, I, I think people do it and it pays dividends. Mm-hmm. So you just got to hope you're not up against one of those people. <laughs> or if, if it's the one you really want, you have to make sure that you are those people. One of those people. There are going to be some jobs where you can't. Oh, of course. You're, yeah. I guess you're thinking more like front-end web developers. Is You go off and make a few websites, don't you? I guess I, I, I say that as if it's easy. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess it might be different to building five databases. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think you reach a point. That the, the bigger point that I would get to is that you reach a stage in your career where you have enough stuff in, to fill a portfolio quite easily. And it's about then being very selective of what you put in that portfolio and what you show to people. And then also how you market yourself. So how, like, the things that you blog about and the things that you, like, if you make videos, you make videos about and the things that you talk about if you talk in public, those kind of things. The things you tweet about, even. You can craft an image of yourself and you can exclude the things that you've done just for money and that you're not very proud of or the things that you've done really well but you still, like, they were just a job and that's not, you didn't enjoy it. That's not what you want to do more of. You put the things that you really like and that you're, you feel like you've done a good job at you put those front and center. You make those the biggest part of your message. In the same way as when you're crafting a CV, for example. Exactly so, yes. I guess one of, one of the dangers of becoming a specialist then is, like you were saying, you got into the, a certain industry and then you felt like that wasn't for you. Is it dangerous being a specialist because technology moves so fast? But I guess people are always going to want to rent a holiday cottage, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think industry-based specialism is much more valuable than technology-based specialism. Technology-based specialism, you want to be, you want to hire someone who is really smart and has a track record of being able to pick up different things. It doesn't necessarily matter if they know your specific framework because that's that's a technical skill. You, if you, someone is already proficient at programming in any kind of scenario they're probably going to be okay in the new one as well. If they've got a track record of learning, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, you special say say I go, like I have done, pretty much gone all in on JavaScript and all in mostly on React 
that you reach a point where that that won't be around forever. JavaScript will change. React will definitely probably not be trendy. <laughs> that's but that's got that, that, the next life, week. <laughs> the lifespan for that is almost certainly single digit years. I think there are other topics on the the list of upcoming episodes that maybe go into this a bit deeper. But it's that being able to bounce and move from one thing to the next and ride the wave. Mm. And maybe these specialisms are more on the human side of things as opposed to the technology side of things. Mm. Like we may have discussed before in that uh, being a good person and able to learn quickly and interact with people well seems like it's a more valuable skill than knowing a technology inside out. There's a real truth to that, that's for sure. But then, so what we're talking about then, the specialism, like I I know a few people who were Flash developers back in the day. Flash is no longer here. They they pivoted to another technology, but then their specialism wasn't Flash so much as it was, oh, I make interactive little fun games, and they make fun games using a different technology. That the specialism there remains. Pivot is uh, a word that comes up quite a lot in the tech sphere. I've not heard it really used anywhere else. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I, I first came across it when I think I was reading, was it The Lean Startup by Eric Ries? I think it was probably the first guy. It was like, well, or Wired Magazine circa 2012, 2010. Mm. Yeah, that was where I first came across it as a startup term. But it's a, I think it's a long established tradition of like everything you're doing is not working. You need to change things, but you need to make it sound like a strategic choice and be positive about it. So it's a pivot. It's not a change of direction. I've heard of people pivoting before. I just, it seems to be the, that word in particular seems to be used quite a lot in regards to people changing paths when they're doing technology careers. Yeah. I think it, it, it's one of those instances where the word fits quite nicely because it's not a complete, what we're talking about is not a complete change in direction. We're not just like moving from one path to another. You're not like, changing your entire worldview you're keeping one leg planted and you're literally pivoting in place and then you're going off in a different direction but you're from that same state that you were Mm. the vision i've had for that uh, for my career over like the last several years is i've seen it as a as a cone stretching out in front of me and like this is the area that i am interested in in like a 45 degree radians in front of me and then anything in there is my field of influence and then every time i come to a point where i'm deciding to like narrow my focus my specialism i'm like narrowing that cone but it's still within the broader pit like so the stuff that i'm doing now is still within what i would have called my specialism five years ago but it's much much narrower and much much tighter focused Mm. so in each of those each time i've made a big i've made some big changes but those even the biggest of those have been pivots rather than like completely like a career break yeah you've not done a 180 and looked at the other (laughs) other side of the circle yeah i mean yeah you go too much into it and it's it's tricky but yeah <laughs> yeah you can pivot 108 degrees but yeah it's... well that was kind of that was going to be one of my next questions is maybe is you you maybe you've had how many how many specialisms would you say you've got or had oh i don't know it's it's been a narrowing of of breadth of expertise i suppose so at first it was I make websites. I design and build websites and I make them and every, essentially full stack. And then it was like, oh no, I'm actually more interested in the front end. So that was like the next big thing was I started in an agency where I had colleagues who could do really good backend work and some people who did sort of more design side of things. So it was like, oh, I don't need to do all the design. I don't need to do the backend. I can focus on the front end. And this is where I have skills that are not necessarily like the other people, the other people in the team were less skilled in that but more skilled in other areas so we complemented each other and then i suppose after that you then start to specialize in like all right now i'm doing front ends for wordpress for instance or i'm doing 
no, holiday lettings was a big thing for a long time, which came about almost by accident. Um, I did one big project with a company and then the next job I had was like off the, off the back of that almost. It was like, look, look at my resume. My resume has this big thing in it <laughs> and you're doing something very similar. And then that then was like two years later and you're like, oh, I've spent the last three years just doing... <laughs> websites for these kind of companies then yeah. let's go back to this word you've pivoted away from holiday letters in this case i wouldn't say you've focused more in on well maybe you have you've gone from holiday lettings to calendar applications within i guess well, uh, holiday yeah. lettings had calendars in. You know, i suppose yeah there's a big there's... you're more like pivoting away from it the point maybe a year and a i don't know coming up for two years ago now where i like left holiday lettings behind it was a big break that was where i was like I am choosing to abandon this specialism and essentially start mm. from scratch. So that's the one point in the journey where I've not, it's not been just a narrowing. It's also been a step back. Yeah. I was going to get to how many specialisms do you think you should have across maybe a 30, 40 year career? Mm. Do you want to maybe find your one specialism and then try and stick with it forever? Or maybe every five, 10 years you try and find something else. I, Maybe that depends on personality type. Like you said, get that feeling of becoming an expert in something. You're right that on a 30-year span, it definitely depends on the person. I mean, I've, I've said before that my development strategy is new shiny. <laughs> it's often <laughs> what drives what I end up looking at next. Um, but I think there are certain fields that if in 20, 20 years' time I look back and I've been doing this, there's like that same core through the work I'd be quite happy with. So like the audio side of stuff and also the, the data visualization side, like both of those, if either of those I'm still doing in 10, 15 years time, I'll be very happy with that. That seems like a good trajectory for me. And that's one that I'm deliberately aiming towards or leaning into. But yeah, then we often talk about the, the shape of people's knowledge, like you'd be like T-shaped or pie-shaped. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, we, I think we've discussed T-shaped knowledge as well before on the episode. Yeah, yeah so I like pie-shaped knowledge. So you're really broad at the top on a whole load of things, and then you've got maybe one or two, like two gets you the pie symbol, areas where you're absolutely like top-notch expert. Mm. And I think that's good That's good enough. It's hard to say, being not 30 years into a career, I don't have <laughs> massive insight on that. But I look at people who have been doing things for 30 years, and often it seems people become experts by just increasingly specializing and being increasingly detailed and then after 30 years of doing one thing you are absolutely on top of that you're, you're a real pro then the thing i really want to stress the one i think i want to really hammer home really heavily is to be aware of how you're specializing because you can let it flow organically and that can be great but that can if you don't manage that at all you end up you could end up somewhere you don't like it's like with a company culture every company has a culture and sometimes and the only question is did they choose it or not? So very early on, founders will have to say, right, this is the culture we want in our company. And if they don't pick a culture, they just end up with one. Mm. And you could end up in an Uber situation where it's sort of misogynist and aggressive and horrible and, and everything's nasty. Or yeah, And if you don't pick it, you're more likely to end up with something that's less than ideal. Mm. Um, so be aware as you're progressing. Maybe I think for new developers, I think it does come, I think there's maybe like at the two-year mark or something perhaps. Like when you've got a bit of enough experience under your belt to feel like, yeah, I know a lot of things, but I know these two or three things much better. And I'm, I'm, at that point, you might be starting to notice that you know things more than your colleagues, for instance. And there are areas that your like the things that your colleagues come to you to ask you about tends to be a sign of what you're an expert in. And what I'm 
what I'm trying to stress is that you have to nurture that. You have to manage that process and be aware and steer it slightly. And you may not, you don't have complete control of it, but you want to guide it gently towards. You're steering that 45 degree section of the circle ever so slightly. Yeah, that's probably it, actually. Yeah, because you, you might, in your, in your career, you might have people coming at you for questions in all aspects of the circle. I mean, this is getting very, this is getting very. <laughs> well, I think we're going too deep into this the, metaphor. Stretching the analogy a bit much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you get the gist yeah this is yeah well we're, we're lucky in that we've got our own vision and mission on our notion board <laughs> got our values number one fun number two turning up on time so yeah you know what we're about <laughs> yeah i suppose yeah they say a plan is just a list of things that don't happen <laughs> that seems to be what this is turning into <laughs> we're talking about turning up on time but we are having fun so that's fine for those listeners, Tom's making a joke because I was a little bit late today. But then Ed was also, in making those bullet points, part of our mission statement was making a joke about the fact that I am often late and in a couple of instances have completely forgotten that we were supposed to be podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> so you're lucky to get an episode every week, really. <laughs> Moving forward then, I feel like I should just wait. <laughs> I Not specialise. <laughs> I've got a, what say, 180 degree or 360 <laughs> Well, breaking away from that, I would say when you're starting out in your career, you take what's available for a start. um, And you do. Don't specialise too early. Just take your time and see what's available. But at the same time, at the back of your mind, be thinking about it. Thinking, ooh, be open to discovering things that you think could be your specialism. Keep an eye out for things that excite you and deliberately steer towards those if you can. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's not do nothing. It's don't make any limiting decisions but be thinking about it have that in the front of your mind uh, as early as you can yeah so i I already want to be kind of hopefully steering towards the sort of thing that piques my interest Hmm. yeah and you often find yeah i found like three years into my career i've discovered oh there's this thing over here that's really exciting let's go and do that instead and yeah Yeah. that's perfectly fine as well i'm i'm sure there's a lot of stuff that i've not even heard of before no exactly yeah it's the being open to things is good and not limiting yourself. And there are, you know, by the nature of being inexperienced, is that there are a lot of things out there that you don't even know. I found that at all stages of my career, when I've been exposed to things I didn't know about, there's been aspects of them that are fascinating. And you think, oh, I didn't even know that that was a thing <laughs> to, like, a year ago. And now it's something I'm really interested in. So that happens a lot. Be Be ready for it. Yeah. So moving forward, I'm going to be steering my ship vaguely in the direction that uh, the stuff that interests me. Okay, so what we're going to be doing in the future, instead of having whole episodes dedicated to our project, we're going to do a little kind of mini stand-up meeting at the end of each of our episodes. So if you, that means you can still enjoy our full question. And if you hate what we're doing with our Weather Checker app, you can just stop listening now. Please don't. And if you are leaving us now, please do tell your friends about the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, like subscribe and do all the things. Um, but yeah, I think now we get to the kind of after show segment, I guess is what we'd call it if we're being trendy podcasters. But what it is to us is essentially a stand up meeting like we would have if we were working in a real company. Mm, I feel like I'm at work already. <laughs> so it's good training for you. Would you like to fill me in on what you've done this week? Tom? It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while, so sit back and wait. Um, so since the last episode for our Weather Checker app, I have done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> because they, these episodes come around much quicker. And, and a little behind the curtain peek. We, probably not surprising, we record them before they're released. 
but in my mind I still think of the release day as being when they happen <laughs> and the fact that we record maybe a day or two after they've been released it's like oh oh that came up much quicker than I was expecting <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah. And there's an extent to which I was waiting for you to provide me with something to work with as well so okay well I've got something to, to provide you hold on let me just open it right it's horrible I even I know like I've done it and I know it's horrible code I just I would like it to be a lot nicer but it works <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm not happy with it. <laughs> so I think possibly in terms of the stand-up, it would be useful to say like in one sentence, what have you done? Okay. I have created a script that scrapes data from the BBC Weather RSS feed, depending on the location you give it, and gives you back a CSV file with the columns, the day, the overview, the minimum temperature, and the max temperature. And the name of the location is in the name of the file. So each location will have its own file. That's what I've got at the moment. Yeah. So I've I did Truro and London. So I've got a one. I've got a CSV file for Truro and a CSV file for London. Have you got? Uh, is this in Git? Is this somewhere I can see it? I haven't put it on Git, but I could do that now. So I think it's probably sensible that we keep this as a like a closed alpha for now. So we make it a private repository until we're ready, because the nature of this kind of experimentation, you might end up accidentally leaving credentials in the repo or something that need to be expunged before we open it up. I think particularly this early prototypey stage it's probably useful to keep it fairly locked down um i like the idea of having it open people who are listening along can can look at the code but it makes sense to certainly very early on keep it locked okay and then hopefully in a few weeks we can make it able to view yeah for our listeners yeah mm-hmm. All right. so really what i'm looking at is scraper.py which is your python thing that scrapes the stuff and I'm right in thinking soup is the scraping library you're using. Is that right? So it's called Beautiful Soup is the, the mm-hmm. module that gives you the data. So I get requests.get, I get the file into something, and then Beautiful Soup passes it as an XML file. So then when you do soup.findall title, you're looking for anything with a title attribute. Is that right? Yeah. And then that gives you the day overview. So what I would encourage you from looking at from looking at the code that you've pushed and from like seeing that you that you've just done this as one one commit. This is your thing that exists. I would suggest maybe uh, when, as you're going along, make re- more regular commits with descriptive commit messages. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's then, in this scenario, when I'm looking at it, I can see the thought process that you went through more clearly. So it's like, yeah, that's kind of not how I work though. <laughs> I kind of jump, <laughs> I kind of jump all over the place, especially when I'm trying to get something to, something to work for the first time. I kind of just... yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. There's a you have to be a, you have to be judicial in your judgment of it, but then you can maybe have every now and again a commit that is prototyping, <laughs> exploring. <laughs> but that's also useful for break, for sort of keeping your thinking logical as well, like to only be working on one specific thing at a time. Like I generally base it around like I'm working on a function for a thing. Sometimes you need multiple functions to do something and it doesn't make sense to make a commit for one or two lines, I find. But they each commit should be cohesive. It should be just a... Like cover one thing itself. Mm-hmm. So you look at that. You know, I don't want to be opening a commit and looking at the files changed and then those changes relating to four or five different aspects of the app. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to be working that way. You can be working on five or six different things as you go, but rather than doing git add period for everything, you just get adding the certain things for a certain function, uh-huh. which is yeah, admittedly hard when it's just one file to start with. As we continue with this, it would be nicer to have more descriptive commit messages. Well, I've, I've broken it into functions. So. Uh, yeah, no, that's <laughs> it's a, not it's all, just, a start. Yeah. all just a mess. <laughs> I think it's a good start. Um, 
things that strike me is that we want to how are we going to manage locations specifically i mean do we want to make a different file for every location do we want to be storing these in files do we want this to be a database is that something that would be easier i don't know if it'd be easier <laughs> it, would make, it would be easier in the long term i guess yeah it? it would make more sense for this to not be loads of csv files we do like a sql like database no yeah, i'm happy for you to pick whatever you like and i will if i don't know it i'll learn it and it'll be yeah, that's fine but what you've got now is you you run the thing and you have a couple of CSV files. Yeah, so looking at the, the data that you're outputting, we need to have that in a more usable format. It's good that we're getting it. That's a great first step. Yeah, I haven't actually spent that long on it. But... Oh, no. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you've done spent, more than you. <laughs> at this moment, you have spent infinitely more time than I have on it. So that's it's quite a marker. Yeah. So, yeah, the, so as a suggestion for the next step is format that information in a way that if I run the script Presumably, if I ran that script now, I'd be overwriting those information. That information. Yeah, yeah. I haven't put the, mm-hmm. I haven't put anything data yeah. in it yet. I was just I was focusing on passing the data and yeah. getting those bits. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's good. What would be useful is the next step is to like you can run this at midnight every day, and it will grab that information and append it to the CSV. This would this would this was the forecast on this day. <laughs> yeah. So what would be nice if the next time we do this, we look at that script and it's got a week's worth of data in. Well, it won't be by then because I've got I'm, I'm not writing it now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, a couple of days maybe. No, of course. <laughs>